So uh, this is, uh, we're in a, the second of uh, three talks on making good decisions. So because these talks build on each other, I want to take just a, a minute or two for a quick review. Last week, uh, I made the case for uh, making God's rule, God's government, and God's righteousness your number one priority in life. Basically, if you get this one right, all the other decisions get better. So, um, this is your most important decision. A commitment to serve God's purposes in the earth. We, we said that the best way to learn God's purpose for your life is to get on board with God's purpose for humanity. Uh, and, and practicing, doing the general will of God will enable you to see more clearly what God's will is for you in specific situation and cir- situations and circumstances. So in, in Ephesians uh, 5, 15 through 17, Paul tells us that the best way to avoid making foolish decisions and to avoid wasting time is to understand and get on board with God's big will. So Jesus said, um, if you seek my uh, kingdom and my righteousness first, everything else will be added to you. So... It makes sense that among those things that would be added to us is the ability to make better decisions. So that's basically the foundation for what we're going to say this week and next. So a while back, I was reading some books about making decisions and and about seeking God's guidance, and these are the covers for two books that I read. The first of these books, Just Do Something, a liberating approach to finding God's will, was really helpful to me. Um, This book... And then this other one, God told me. And, and if you, if we look at the subtitles of these, you'll find the books are kind of, they both think that God guides us, but their, their ideas about how He does it kind of are odds with each other a little bit. Just do something is a liberating approach to finding God's will, or how to make a decision without dreams, visions, fleeces, impressions, open doors, things like that. So, and then the other one says, God told me, which I don't think it was, but it could have been like written as a response to the other book was, God told me who to marry, where to work, which car to buy, and I'm pretty sure I'm not crazy. So, not, both of these books were helpful. The, the first book was really helpful because it, it, it helps us understand that when we're in God's general will and we love Him with our hearts and minds and souls, then we're actually free to take initiative. And, and so that's a good thing. God's a good father. He's happy when his kids take initiative. The only problem I had with it is that it sometimes kind of seems like God doesn't really care about, you, you know, your decisions. Actually, he kind of says that. He almost gives you the impressions you shouldn't be wasting God's time asking whether you should buy that car or not or wasting your own. God doesn't care. He doesn't care what car you buy or where you go to school. And I think that is not the case. I think that God is actually interested in all kinds of details about my life. So, but it was a helpful book. And then this other book sort of provides a balance for that, you know, by saying, yeah, God is willing to talk to you. And I believe that too, because, you know, He is our Father, and fathers talk to their children. Okay, so so here's the, the deal. This week and next, I'm kind of like going to bounce back and forth between these two, between these two things. Uh, I'm going to encourage you to stay in communication with your father about everything. And I want to liberate us by to have faith to make decisions, to initiate, to do something. So this week, that's the one we're going to focus on. 
We're going to focus on having faith to act. So let's begin uh, with this, which is our text for the day. This uh, passage from Romans, familiar to many of you, says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those whom He has called according to His purpose and plan. So that's, that is a wonderful promise, and believing that should be liberating. I mean, I think among other things, this means that even if you make a bad decision, God can work things for your good. He can make it work out. So, uh, and so, based on that, this will be my title for the day. Decide in faith. If we have faith in God, if we're living in a right relationship with Him, we ought to be able to make decisions. Some of us always have a hard time making decisions, and all of us occasionally have a hard decision to make. Now, there are a variety of reasons for this, but, but, uh, like for example, that there's loads of choices, you know, but, and every choice is like, if I decide to do this, it means I, if I go here, it means I don't go there on Saturday night, you know, so everything is like, so you, you understand that. But in addition to all that, I think sometimes we're paralyzed by indecision because there's this idea that only the perfect choice will lead to perfect fulfillment. Perfectionism will, will mess you up. I, I don't, let me just disappoint you early. The odds are really slim that you're going to find perfect fulfillment in life. You will find perfect familiar, uh, fulfillment if you stick with Jesus. But it might not be in this life. There's always going to be frustrations and disappointments. There's this idea, not only, you know, you've got to make the perfect decision to find perfect fulfillment. And this, uh, it, God's will for you becomes like some kind of tiny little, the, the, the center of a target, you know, the bullseye on a target that's 300 yards away, you know, or it's like walking on a tightrope. If I mess up, you know, I'm going to fall out of God's will. This could be paralyzing, lead to timidity. So that's one thing, and, and we, want, we want to get over that. Another thing that will mess us up is, is that we really would prefer it if we could know the future, you know? I mean, we'd like to know the future, wouldn't you? Like, I mean, well, for example, if you knew exactly who was going to win the game this afternoon by what score, you could probably make some money. But, uh, but I didn't want to plant that idea in your head, sorry. <laughs> Anyway, there's an interest in knowing the future. And because we don't want to take risks. And then, and then another thing that can slow us down is like when we over-spiritualize decisions and like attach a, a spiritual kind of weight to them that, 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 that they don't deserve. And so, uh, we, we, or we, we, um, we don't really have confidence in God. We, we believe things about God that aren't true. Or another thing that will make it hard to make decisions is if we're like terribly self-obsessed. So all of these things are, are things that can mess us up. And I want to say that increasing faith in God is the answer to most of those things. It drives them out. So if we grow in faith, faith will enable us to make good decisions. And that's what the next slide says. Faith enables good decisions. So I want to talk about some things that, that I believe if we believe, it'll help us. And there are four of them, and then there's a kind of an attachment to the, the last of those four. So the first, the first of these things we were just singing about, and that is the goodness of God. 
Uh, believing in the goodness of God will help us make decisions. God didn't spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us. How will He not, with Him, freely give us all good things? Uh, God is not trying to hide His will from me. God is not playing games with me. God, God cares about my desires. Psalm uh, 34, 7 says, uh, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. This means a couple things that are both true. It means that if you put God first, your desires will sort of increasingly match up with His. But it also means that God loves those who love Him and He cares what they want. So, so I mean, I think God really does care. I mean, He has, a, he has an interest in your desires. So, we believe, because we believe that God is good, that God will give me enough information to make a decision that is within His will. And, and actually, God will direct me both by the information that He supplies me and by the information that He withholds. It, it's entirely conceivable that sometimes God thinks, Tim, you will make a, a better decision if I don't tell you everything. So, so see, he'll, he, he's, he's sovereign, He's good, He knows what's best. He knows what to tell us, how much to tell us, and what not to tell us. If God wants me to understand Him, this is really important. Hear this. If God wants you to understand something, He will communicate to you in a way you can understand. You know? So, it's not like everything's... He's not trying to make everything crazy mysterious. So, you know, you're always wondering what He's thinking. That's not His... That's not the kind of relationship he wants with us. Okay, so that's the first thing. God is good. And here's the second thing that it's important to believe. We're going to make good decisions. And that is that God's Word is true wisdom. Now, if we believe that the Word of God, the Scriptures that were left for us, are true wisdom, then here's what we will do. We will read our Bibles. We will read our Bibles and we will pay attention to what we read. And, and, and we will maybe even study it a little bit, and we will certainly meditate on it. And, and as we do this, our decision-making ability will be informed by the wisdom of God's Word. Over time, we'll make better decisions as our decision-making processes are informed by God's perspectives and God's wisdom. So that's an important one. That's two. Hey, we're making good time. Okay, number three. God's got me. God's got me covered. God's grace and God's power is bigger than my weakness and my failure. This is a, this is a good spot maybe to, to consider a, a question that comes up sometimes. Um, what if you believe that you've received some guidance, that God was really le- leading you to do a thing, and then later on you think, well, that was, I was totally wrong. That wasn't what I was supposed to do. What if that happens? Well, let me say, whenever that happens, it's just part of the learning process. In all of your relationships, there are periodically misunderstandings. Uh, would all the husbands say amen? <laughs> amen. See, in your relationships, there are periodic misunderstandings. And, and whenever you have a misunderstanding and then you talk to the person with whom you have the misunderstanding, the relationship and the, the, the communication gets better. 
Right? So it's a, it's a learning thing. You know each other better after the misunderstanding. But here's, here's the good news. If you misread God's direction in some specific way, if you make a mistake, there is a guarantee of protection. And unlike some other relationships, it will never end because you misunderstand. You got your relationship with God won't end if you misunderstand Him. Isn't that good? You can't make a fatal mistake. You're going to live forever. He's promised to work everything for the good of those who love Him. So that's three things. Okay, here's a fourth. Fourth thing is God's got the future. God's got the future. This is huge. I don't need to know the future. Short-term information should be enough for me. I I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from His sunshine for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry over the future for I know what Jesus said. And today I'll walk beside Him for He knows what is ahead. And many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. I didn't intend to do that, but there I did. You want the second verse? I don't know about tomorrow. It may bring me poverty, but the one who feeds the sparrow is the one who stands by me, and the path that is my portion may be through the flame or flood, but His presence goes before me and I'm covered by His blood. And many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand. So, here's another reason that you, sh- that you, pro- you shouldn't like try to figure out the future because it, it wouldn't be helpful for God to tell you the future. If you, if God told you the future, it would very likely lead to either increasing anxiety or to passivity. You would either fret or you would chill out more than you should. So, 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 so God is not going to tell you. And even in the, even in the stories in the Bible where, where God tells somebody, this is where you're going to end up, He rarely tells them the path, like how they're going to get there. Uh, the, the, the path by which they arrive at that destiny is not like anything that they could have ever figured out. And uh, the, the classic example of this, I think, is uh, Joseph, the story of Joseph. So Joseph receives revelation that basically he's going to end up in a highly favored spot. And uh, that people who you wouldn't expect, are, that people you wouldn't expect to bow down and, at your feet, like your parents, for example, are going to do the, this very thing. So, but, but basically, there is nothing he can do to make this happen. And actually, shortly after he gets these visions, everything stu- seems to be going in a direction that makes that possibility less and less and less likely. And, and, uh, everything like spins out of control. His life goes in an opposite direction. He's hopeless, helpless to actually do anything about it. So I was thinking about this. I mean, Joseph's story is like somebody who like gets a dream where they think God tells them they're going to win a, an Olympic gold medal. And then a week later, they like their spinal cord is severed in an automobile accident. I mean, it's just about that bad. 
I mean, the, fir- the longer he lives, the less, the less, like, the less his situation looks like those, those dreams that God gave him are coming true. And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, this is, this is one of the reasons God doesn't tell us very often the future. It, it, even if you knew the future, it wouldn't tell you very much about what's going to happen between now and whenever you get there. And, and the, uh, in case you didn't know, in that story of Joseph, it all turns out exactly like God said it would. So in the end, it, it, it turns out. So I, uh, I've got several illustrations that I, I've gathered over the last few years from folk in the church. Lynn Fleshman, who was just up a few minutes ago introducing me so wonderfully, uh, has a couple stories that she's told me that I just I love. She had a dream that was clearly intended to tell her that God was taking care of her future. She said, after that, I spent a lot of time and energy trying to decode the dream. Like, what, is all, what does all this mean? You know, what all, does every little, every little thing in the dream have a, you know, is this gonna, sh-? and, uh, she said, this story illustrates how strong our desire is to know the future. And then, and, and also how genuine faith relieves us from this strong desire because that's what happens. She basically entrusts God with the future and then she doesn't feel like she has to decode the dream. She had another story where uh, she said she was, she was pretty sure God was leading her to buy a certain house. So, so she offered the asking price, but lost to somebody who made an offer higher than the asking price. Lynn told me uh, yesterday, she said, I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't know you were allowed to do that. So, so then she started reading things into this. She, she said, basically, this means that God wants me to not ask for things. God's word to me is perpetual no. That's, that's basically what I'm supposed to learn. Don't ask for anything. So she, she suffers under this delusion for a while. But then, a few years later, it became very clear that God was watching out for her and protecting her when the tornado destroyed that house. And actually, by that time, she'd found another house that I think she actually likes better anyway. So anyway, God, and, and when I was talking with her this last week, she said, what I learned in this is that God's no is every bit as good as God's yes. If God says no, it's a good no. It's a protective, helpful, blessing no. So, and then Steve Lett, one of the elders sitting back here at the back, uh, he told a story about praying for clarity regarding a decision. He's praying, I need clarity, I need clarity. And, uh, he said, he said, I just felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, spend less energy trying to get me to tell you the future and more energy doing what I've told you to do. <laughs> Which that sounds like the Lord, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so anyway, I think these are, these are great stories. And I might tell you a little bit about my own life if I, if I talk fast enough to leave time for that. But, but, but the, the attachment, I said there was an attachment to the fourth of these. And that is this. God guides us progressively. Psalm 119.105 says, God's Word is a lamp to my feet. It's not like a whole line of street lights or a, you know, a series of lights along the highway. It's more like a flashlight 
God will give you enough guidance to take the next step. And you really shouldn't always expect too much more than that. See, you should see discovering. Like, if God has a preferred plan for your life, and, and actually, maybe He doesn't, you know, but if, if He does, you should expect it to find it as you obey step by step. Discovering God's plan, if there is one for your life, is dynamic. And God is looking for, and you need, ongoing relationship and ongoing conversation. Um, God's interested in the moves you make. He's interested in the employment history that you end up with. What He's way more interested in the way you will be changed as you maintain communication with Him and learn to depend on Him and grow in your love for Him. So, and uh, God, God is an example of this. God led the nation, His nation, His people of Israel through the wilderness by a pillar of fire in the night and a cloud in the day. He, he never gave Moses a map. He told him the final destination and then He made the people look to Him whenever it was time to move. And by the way, there were periods of time when they weren't moving. So if you feel like if you feel like you're not moving much right now, you, you should consider it is possible that that is God's will for you right now. So, God, He can communicate. Um, you know, so, you know, like you think, I, I thought God wanted me to move. Now things aren't going very well. I must have missed God. Maybe not. Maybe God, maybe God wanted you to do something. Now He wanted you to do something else. I, here, I have a theory about this. I won't try to prove this from Scripture, but it makes sense to me. Like, okay, I live, uh, I live like somewhere out near north, northeast of Carterville. Uh, so if you said, I call you on the phone, you say, hey, I'm on my way over to your house, Tim. And I said, okay, um, yeah, where are you? Yeah, I'm in Joplin. Okay, go to Web City. Okay. And then, uh, you know, let's stay in touch. So we're on the phone talking while you drive. And then you say, hey, I'm in Web City. And I say, okay, now turn right. Okay, sometimes I think that's the way God's guidance is. When God tells you to do something, if you don't end up that place, that doesn't mean He wasn't talking to you. He told you that to get you going in the right direction. And He's free to step in at any point and say, yeah, it's good you did that. Now, actually, that was really just to get you to a point where I could tell you the next step. Does that make sense? So, I mean, I think I might communicate that way. I think sometimes God communicates that way. And so sometimes things that he tells you he wants you to do, that's just like to get you moving in the right direction. And then he's going to interrupt and say, now do this. So that's the way it seems to me. It is dynamic. I'm pretty sure about that. And, and, and you know, I see this kind of like mix of like getting direction from God and taking initiative very clearly in, in the Apostle Paul's life. So in Acts 16, Paul and the guys who are traveling with him, that they decide we're going to go into the province of Asia. But then it says he's forbidden to do so by the Holy Spirit. Nobody says you shouldn't have tried. He just says you can't do that. So then he tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit didn't allow him. So then he's hanging around and God sends, he has a vision in the night of a guy saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So he prays about it and thinks, I think God wants us to go to Macedonia. So he goes to Macedonia, he goes to Philippi, which is in Macedonia, he stays there for a while, gets thrown in prison and beaten, and then he gets out, 
And then he goes someplace else and it doesn't ever say that he had a vision in instructing him to do so. Because he knew what his mission was and he felt free to take initiative. And when necessary, God either stopped him from doing something or told him to do something else. So I think this is a great example of kind of like the mix of initiative, feeling freedom to move within the will of God, and God periodically stopping us or redirecting us. So, so here's, here's a couple of things just in conclusion. I think that against, against what I'm saying, there's, a, a, there's language you sometimes use that's not helpful as Christians. So sometimes people like talk about trying to figure out or learn or discover the calling for their life. And I just want to say that in the New Testament, when the Bible talks about calling, it almost never is talking about a specific plan for your life. It's talking about being called by Jesus to Jesus or called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. There are a few places where somebody gets called, like the 12, Jesus like called 12 guys and said, you're going to be my apostles. And they kind of had, it did define their life's work, you know. But never, never in any of the cases where this happens, does anybody suggest that this is like normative and everybody's supposed to get a divine map or a divine assignment that sort of is the big thing, you know, other than love God and, and seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And, And if we do that, then God will guide us into the things that he has for us. So, um, and you know, even in like Paul, Paul, you know, gets, I mean, his his commission was fairly dramatic. You know, he's going one direction. He gets stopped fast and pointed in another and told from the outset what his life is supposed to be about and then is given a spiritual gift that goes along with that. But, you know, there's so much he didn't like they didn't tell him where he was going geographically or what he was going to do for a living. You know, I mean, there were all kinds, all kinds of things that weren't answered in that one. And, 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 and the whole idea, he never says, Hey, this is normative. You just need to wait until God knocks you down and then makes you blind and then tells you what your life's purpose is. I mean, it, that's just not the way we're, we're encouraged to think about finding and living in God's will. So, um, I think actually sometimes there, sometimes there are two things that can happen here. Sometimes what's working is a, an, a desire to find an identity in the things you do rather than in your position as a child of God. And, uh, or, or pressure to kind of relieve the daily dependence that God is calling you to. So I think those kind of things can, and I just, I think, I just, this should be liberating to some people, conscientious people who like want to do big things with your life and you can spend your life like vacillating between faith in some supposed promise that God actually never made to you or uh, misery that things aren't turning out the way you hoped. And I just said, be free from all that. Be free. God is good. He's leading you. It's going to turn out okay. So I'll just quickly tell you kind of how my my life. I thought about my life. I I graduated from high school in 1972, and and what I thought I wanted to do was nothing. Because it was right then in that period in, in our culture, it was it was really cool to like drop out and chill out and rebel against societal expectations by doing as little as possible. 
And so uh, that's kind of what I was thinking I was going to do. And then, but I, I love the Lord, you know, and uh, in the back of my head, I had this idea. I'd like to be a part of a church that was like really good. Kind of had that idea. I went to a camp that summer that I graduated, and when I left camp, I thought, I need to, I need to study the Bible for a year. I think I want to study the Bible for a year. So my parents, who were worried about me possibly doing nothing, like by the time I said, the words were hardly out of my mouth, and my mom had the car packed and said, hey, get in, Tim, we're going to Joplin, Missouri. So they brought me down here from Pennsylvania, enrolled me in Bible college. So I was in Bible college for several years, and, um, and then I decided, I thought, uh, I heard about the, I met some guys who were doing work with kids who lived on the streets, and uh, I made friends with them, and they said, hey, we need somebody who will do this at our, our in Evansville, Indiana. I thought, I think I'd like to do that. I feel, that seems like a thing I should do. So I moved to Indiana, I lived there for a couple years. While I was there, actually, providentially, I had an encounter with God that really dramatically changed me while I was in Evansville, but I was only there two years. Then a guy from my the Bible college I'd been at, he came to see me in Evansville and said, hey, I want to like start groups where we, we have these groups and we make disciples, and I want you to be in the first group that I do. And I thought, okay, I'll do that. I, I don't know that I prayed about all these. I mean, I was praying, but I don't know. Like, I never, I didn't say God said, go back to Joplin. I never, I, I don't believe God ever said that to me, but I did end, back, end up back here again. So, I'm in these groups, and that's really good. And, and another cool thing that happened, once I had been a camp counselor, and there was this girl, oh boy, there was this girl who I found out later decided, told her roommate she was going to marry me someday. Okay, so this girl was at the Bible college when I got back, and I had uh, always found her attractive since I, the first time I saw her. So, so anyway, that was cool, and, and, and I started hanging out with her. I didn't, like God did not say to me, Tim, pursue this woman. No, something in me said pursue this woman, but I don't, I'm not blaming God for that. So anyway, we, we start, we start hanging out. And, uh, and, uh, and then, so I'm, we're in Bible college, and then I, I, uh, and, and then, I can't remember the order of this. At some point, we, well, we, we, a year after we started hanging out all the time, we got married. And then, uh, and then I needed a job. And a guy who I went to school with was leaving town and he'd been taking care of a paralyzed man. And he said, you'd be good at this. So I started taking care of the paralyzed guy. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, this was not, I didn't feel really God's guidance about that at all, but it was okay. And while I'm doing that, another of my friends who'd been preaching at a tiny little church in the country up in near Nevada, like in the country near Nevada, he said, hey, I'm leaving town and you'd be you'd be great preaching at this church. So for the next like four or five years, uh, I get you know, we're married. I'm, I'm taking care of a paralyzed guy. I'm driving every weekend up to Vernon County to preach to 20 or 30 80 year old people who are pretty much deaf. So, so I could say anything. I could preach anything and they were happy. And they were really like gracious and they loved us and they were really kind to us and we just kept having babies. Not because we, not because God told us to, 
for other reasons. Okay, so at some point then, at some point, I think I can't do this anymore, you know. And uh, so, so I thought, what am I going to do, you know? And I, I thought, well, I like taking care of the paralyzed guy, and I want to be able to serve God wherever I go, whatever I'm doing. And I told Mary, you can't, you, if you, if you're looking for any sort of vocational stability, don't look at it in me, because I, I kind of like want to be ready to do whatever God wants me to do. That was my philosophy. And I thought, well, if I, if I do like, at the time you could get like, you could, uh, qualify to take the nursing boards with a two-year degree from Missouri Southern. I thought, if I do that, I can go anywhere in the world, get a job, and serve God's purposes. So, I went to nursing school, got out, got a job in the intensive care unit at one of the local hospitals, and, and then we just, I just couldn't keep, keep making that trip back and forth to Vernon County. I had, a wife and kids and, you know, going to school. And so, so basically I quit and then we had to find a place to go to church. And I, I had visited Christchurch once before and I liked it, but not that much. But then I, I, we thought, well, let's visit. And I, I walked in and I got to tell you, the, the day I walked in this building, I thought this is where we belong. I mean, I, I guess if there's anything in this story where I actually felt like profound confidence of the leading of God, it was probably that one. You know. And, 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 and I, so, and then, uh, like within three years, the guy said, uh, quit your job and come to work for the church. And that's like 30, 33 years, 30, 30, 30 some years ago. Now, see, I, I couldn't, I, I didn't need a map. I just was responding. And, and, and part of the time I was praying a lot and sometimes I was praying less, but it was always my desire to please the Lord. And I feel like He directed me. And I'm not like unhappy about that because here's what I believe. I think like all along the way, we just kept saying, Lord, please be our guide. What do you want us to do? And we, we took initiative sometimes and God blessed those things. And if He didn't, He corrected us. And there were times where we, we really felt a sense of guidance and other times where we were just, it felt like, Lord, I hope you're in this because this is what we're going to do. That was kind of the prayer. I mean, I prayed before we got married. Like, if you don't want this, stop it fast, you know. And, and so just by living that kind of dynamic relationship in communication with God, I, I feel like God, God was in it. And I want to commend to you this that you don't have to know very much. What you need to do is to, is to live and move and decide in faith and to stay in constant communication with the Lord. If you do that, I think, I think things will go well.